but we're also on tape. We are deep and down in the bowels of least music. It's episode 74 of Kamloops last week. Gord Stevens, Chris Folds, beautiful brand new Bennett, Magic Mike, and Bill at the controls, 74. Oh, 74, I never thought about this. Anything? 74, 1974, uh, you base, something baseball? Oh, yeah, base, no, I think 74 was the first year an expansion team won the Stanley Cup. I think it was the um, um, Philadelphia Flyers. That's right. They won in 74 and 75, the uh, Broad Street Bullies. Oh, okay. That's right. I think it was 74. I think Nixon also might have resigned in 74. I'm not sure. Anything from 74 from you, Mike? You know, uh, 1974 for me is uh, my Buick uh, LeSabre convertible, Luxus. I bought it when I was 19. All my friends were buying Cavaliers, and they said, why are you buying that boat? And here we are 30 years later. Give us one memory from that. Were you mooing out of the convertible top? I've mooed at many uh, cows as I drive by them on the uh, thing. And I was dating my wife because it predates my wife. Um, And we were driving along in Pritchard on the hills. There's a, a big cattle farm up there. And I started mooing at the cows, and she sunk below the seats of the car because <laughs> it was her parents' right neighbors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, were you doing the Doppler effect with her? Yeah, the, yeah. I, the, I tried to explain that yeah, to her. Yeah. You know, it's just she just doesn't get it. Was this before or after she dumped you for panting? So I got down on all fours in front of the stove and just panted like a dog, like you know, <laughs> looking into the stove. And uh, a couple days later, she broke up with me. Panting uh, like a this, dog. This might have been after because she would have dumped me for sure for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, hot start. We got a great show today. Kelly Owinick, seven foot big man, Utah Jazz, South Kamloops secondary graduate. I talked to him last week or so. It took a while to get a hold of him, but he was really good. He was relaxed and comfortable. So we're going to hear from Kelly Olenek in a little bit, talk about his, uh, a lot of things. We'll get to that later. We're also going to talk about you. Uh, you want to talk about the missing person situation in Kamloops? Yeah, I just want to talk about, um, I received some calls from people because there's, there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot of missing people lately and it goes in spurts. And um, I, I received a few calls from, from people who read the paper who are like, you know, freaking out thinking there's a serial killer around, but there's a logical explanation for a lot of the missing persons cases and we should talk about that because sometimes the context doesn't come through in the paper for various reasons, privacy reasons, things we can't say, but um, we should clear it up here. Okay. I saw you running hot a little bit on Twitter about, uh, were you defending the CBC? Oh yeah, that was, uh, I was, wasn't I? Yeah, no, so, someone, uh, Pierre Polyev wants to defund the CBC and, and, and there's a good article about what that means. Could it mean completely or could it mean just changing some stuff? I don't disagree that CBC should not be competing with the private media like us for advertising. I think that's wrong because they have unlimited resources. So, um, and they're, they're, um, their employees are paid by the taxpayers, like you and I pay for Doug Herbert's salary, not vice versa. And I, I think the CBC's great. Doug and Shelley and Marcello and all them do a great job. But and the, and the radio is ad free. It should be the TV should be ad free too because it shouldn't compete with the private interests. However, you shouldn't defund the CBC. It does it does a great work. Yeah. CBC's a great. And then uh, you had some yahoos on. Um, Someone posted a good story of explaining what defunding the CBC could could look like. And then um, Howie Reimer, the former radio NL guy who is now the head of downtown Kamloops BIA, he posted something saying, "Hey, you know this. You know I, I, I like uh, CBC has its faults, but we need it there because it balances yeah. the private and public uh, broadcasting yeah. uh, field." And then a bunch of Yahoo said, "Oh, balance CBC, balance their propaganda arm for Trudeau and this and that." <laughs> and you sent the same reply back. back well, I to just them. replied. I said, "If yeah. they're a propaganda arm for Trudeau, why would they be doing all these stories about Trudeau's many, many ethics violations and and many controversies? Yeah. Whether he's groping girls allegedly in Creston, or he's the first prime minister to uh, to have." Uh, 
three ethic violations charges. I'm no fan of Trudeau. I think he's uh, emperor and uh, emperor has no clothes. He's been proven to be a very, very weak leader, um, a guy who, uh, anyway, I don't like Trudeau. <laughs> but I, 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 you can't say the CBC has... Um, uh, is a propaganda arm who, who treats him with kid gloves. I mean, they were one of the most voracious uh, media outlets to attack him on the SNL, uh, SN, SNL uh, Lavalin, yep. SNC Lavalin scandal with uh, Jody uh, Raybald Wilson and his uh, trip to the Aga Khan, his ethics violations, everything. I mean, even now, like he, he's now said that we're, they're going to buy the F-35 uh, jets when he ran in 15 saying we will absolutely never buy these jets well they're running that clip all the time so these people who who just jump out and say the cbc is a is a propaganda arm for the liberal government uh, they have no clue how media works and they're not re they're not watching the the cbc to see what they're doing we're recording right yes <laughs> <laughs> um on another angle like i've worked there for 10 years so i'm a little bit biased but i like the That's style right, you're, you're a part-time worker over there That's right. here you have options like nl it's a different style of radio it's it's hard news fast mm -hmm. usually they do other shows too but in the morning and cbc is a different pace they dive deeper into a little uh issues a little bit more i would say and they do they, they, they do fewer stories but a little bit they're deeper which is yeah. good and then you have nl which 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 is like us, other media like us they have to do a whole bunch of they keep their website populated they have to keep the stories going they do yeah. a great job with limited resources nl does cbc um yeah it's a different it's a different um uh, pace and yeah. it's good club car Cocktails like you've never tasted before. This company loves the arts. They love supporting young emerging musicians. And if you like the idea of a Kamloops-based distillery, then you have to love the idea of Club Car Beverages. It's Kamloops last week's brand new co-title sponsor. You can find them online at clubcarbeverages.com and they round out our last week click sponsorship consortium, which also includes gourds, appliance, and mattress center, McDonald's, and cold control mechanical. This is big, Mike, and you played the middleman in this whole deal, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I did. You know, you know they're, um, here, here's what I think is cool about Club Car, is that they are really all about uh, musicians. They're about Kamloops. They're from Kamloops. Uh, they're trying to, uh, 25 cents from every can goes towards helping uh, new and upcoming um, musicians. They people, have... People like Susie Ron and her daughter, mm -hmm. you know, that are trying to make it. Yep. They'll yep. help out with that. So. This is a symbiotic relationship. You kind of put me in touch with Media Melody, we'll call her, uh, this wonderful breath of fresh air marketing person, marketing Melody that I've been dealing with. And I uh, got talking to President John, we'll call him, and they have a company called Club Car. They're opening a new distillery. It's, right now it's vodka drinks, great vodka drinks, and they're going to have a distillery on Mission Flats Road by uh, ITEL and um, what else is out there? The Valhalla Smokehouse. Um, they're into music, and we were looking for more of a musical feel on this show. And you talked to them, they talked to us, I've been talking to them, so they're on board now. They're our co-title sponsor, along with Gord's Appliance uh, and Mattress Center. They have uh, vodka drinks in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. It's Club Car. You know what Club Car is, yep, obviously? Yep, yep. 
the what is a club car? I mean, as far as on railway, the like, club car is where you go and you. I, I was in the club car going from Edmonton to Vancouver when I came back from college back when I was eighteen, and I spent the whole time <laughs> in the club car drinking like, yeah. with these uh, Ukrainian and Russian guys playing playing a great music and buying us drinks. And I don't remember anything from Revelstoke to Vancouver. Yeah, fantastic, <laughs> a fantastic time. Eighteen Carousing. years old, under under age, but I got in there. It was pretty good. Carousing in the club car. Yep. That's the kind of vibe that they. That's the kind of their marketing. Uh, feel. Mm -hmm. Their guy on the ground here in Kamloops is Steve Earle. So I was talking to President John and Marketing Melody and they say, oh, do you know who Steve, Steve Earle is? I'm like, yeah, I kind of know that. Where do I know that name? Copperhead Road. Well, Steve, first of all, let's, let, let's deal with that first. Yeah. I think the intro to Copperhead Road, the song, is top five all-time song intros. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. That song is, is, is and everything. That like song that. is yeah. one of the top songs. The the story is fantastic. The, too. the build up to that, like yeah. the way that you yeah. feel in that build up, the yeah. sound to me, you could tell. Like, why does that sound so good? How they like to the sound. You know why it's got a that. Scottish, it's got a Scottish background to it. it it's got, it's got a driving force. Uh, but you know who probably is a better uh, explainer of this is a dancer, somebody that actually knows and has studied music. Bill. 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 What do you think? Any thoughts, Bill? What, what, what drives people with that? The driving beat. And it's the Scottishness. <laughs> it's the Scottishness. <laughs> it, it sounds like there's bagpipes at the start, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it sure does. Mandolin and, and yeah. 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 You know how many mandolins that song has sold? Mandolins and it's got, like it's got the stomp too. I don't love the whole, I think it's a good song. It's a great I, you, song. You love it. I think it's a really good the story's song. The story is fantastic. I, it's a really, a really good song. The song. There's a story to the song. Okay, well, it's, what's the story? It's one of the greatest stories. This guy is, is selling weed uh, and he's being he, illegally in the states, and he's being harassed by the DEA. But he's learned a few things. His dad was a was a moonshine runner back in the day, so his dad used to sell moonshine in these in these in these mountain you know the hillbilly towns of, of uh, the Great Smoky Mountains. And and the sheriff used to come around and try to bust him. And the, his dad and his uncle they took this old police car and they jazzed it up so they can get away from the from the sheriff. And that's how NASCAR started, by the way, back in the day. NASCAR started by running bootlegging. from the bootlegging, running from the sheriffs, and then it became racing. Yeah. And so they took this old. They bought a car at an auction, old police car. They jacked it up so they can get away from the sheriff. So this guy was telling the story about that's what his dad used to do. So this guy, the narrator, Steve Earle, he goes and does two two tours of duty of Vietnam. And he learned there, he, 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 he learned that he, he got involved in the trade there, the, the marijuana trade, came back, he started growing pot, and he set up traps because he learned a, a thing or two from Charlie, don't you know, Charlie being uh, the Viet Cong, you better stay away from Copperhead Road because he set up booby traps. So the DEA comes in there, you try to get my pot, I learned some stuff in Vietnam, you're going to go down just like my dad beat the sheriffs back in the in the depression 30s and 40s great song really really good song amazing intro great yeah, yeah. now intro. we know the background yes best song but also best intro for steve earl from camelot <laughs> yes yeah. who, who is who by the way his son i was actually one more question oh. on this have you ever been chased or you um by a cop in a, in a cop car like never been in, chased. in a car chase no okay. no never been chased. i have actually i have really? yeah. what Good. happened can you share well, another amazing intro of a song I was listening to in my band in the 1990s, and it was Santana, Oye Como Va. Oh, yes. Yeah. Da, 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 oye Como Va. And that was playing, and <laughs> I might have 
pushed on the gas a little bit too much. <laughs> you were just I had fired up. One Cleveland in my van. My dad and I decided to soup up this van, and I may have had the needle buried, which I would not recommend anybody do. And in Falkland, they set up a roadblock, and uh, and I got a hundred dollar fine. A full on roadblock. Yeah. You're also wearing. You forgot to mention the Sasquatch outfit too. Probably <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> what, what happened with you? Well, I was in the passenger seat, and the guy who uh, we don't encourage us, the guy who was driving had been drinking, um, and he, the cops turned the lights on, and he friggin' hit the gas. We went to this, like, and went to this park that we know, local in White Rock. He took the keys that he had and just tossed them, like, launched them into this park area, and we waited for the cops to come and get us and said that we were, you know, he wasn't driving. And uh, they they never found the keys, and we uh, we got it, got off with it. But I mean, we don't encourage that behavior. But that's, that's what yeah, happened. Chris Farley approach. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Steve Earl. Steve Earl. Good Our guy. Steve Earl, great guy. He is the uncle to Darcy Pinio and Scott Pinio. Darcy Pinio is one of my great friends. She's married to Tim O'Donovan, the AGM of the Kamloops Blazers. Mm -hmm. It's all symbiotic with everything. All right, and all three of us again. We had a busy weekend, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, and it, it, you know, it's it's interesting. As part of my New Year's uh, Eve uh, resolutions, uh, it was it was a tough one, but I decided to let you guys in on it. And uh, what was the uh, New Year's resolution? Oh, your resolution, resolution was, yeah. to, and, and it's a hard one because it's harder than even going to the gym. You, you're, you're trying to, to to wean yourself off the furry costumes on weekends. It's tough. So we went to an anti-furry costume convention together. Yeah, which is known as a convention. Mm -hmm. Just a straight-up convention. And at that convention, you were into the club cars a bit too hard. Yeah, you was. got into the club cars very, very hard. And what did he do? Yeah. That's straight down. down. Straight down. And thank goodness that one of the sponsors of the convention was Gord's. And there was a Sealy mattress to, 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 to... And also, I was able to just get some McDonald's coffee and tilt your head up. And, yeah, and I was yeah, all good. And, and go. you know, as we know, it's like spinach to Popeye. Uh, coffee is to Chris and yeah. just like instantly I bounced right up and I was back to back to normal but that's right the, the other part that I found really interesting is while while he fell down and landed on that ceiling mattress there's never any pillows that brought us to a quest to find out if Gord's actually sells pillows as well I don't know I don't know if they do but I can tell you this for a fact they actually have free cookies when you go into Gord's they have free cookies for you. Not only do they have amazing appliances, dishwashers, uh, ovens, uh, ovens, I think, they have, yes, they have ovens and flat tops, but they have free cookies for you if you go to Gord's. That's why you never found out if they had pillows because you were eating all the cookies. And I know that Vinny and Dustin were around. And why were Vinny and Dustin from Cold Control Mechanical around? I think they were trying to, there was a heating problem at the convention. It was getting a little cold in there, and they were afraid that it was so cold, people were going to start putting the furries back on. So right. they called up yeah. Vinny and Dustin. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. And they came in there, and they, uh, they, they got the furnace You have working. to make sure it's warm in there, or yeah. else these Otherwise, people yeah. who are just itching to get their furries on. Yeah. It gives them an excuse to uh, break the New Year's resolution, but the cold, cold, cold control mechanical came in there and they saved the day. Oddly enough, though, two people were in furries already. They took their furry costumes off. It was Vinny and Dustin. <laughs> they were already there wearing their furries. They, they, they were actually protesting the furry convention, not, <laughs> right. not furry convention. And they are, they're so reliable, too, and trustworthy that everything worked out well. Everything got fixed for a great price. Amazing. Okay, let's move on now to the Tattle of Hastings and Kelly Olenek. I think we 
we've got one slide here to go. There he is. This photo, Gord's kind of in the way of this one, but it's a great photo. Like when he, this with is the Celtics, LeBron right. James. Yeah. LeBron James and in South Kamloops secondary yeah. graduate. Pretty crazy, eh? Just it's surreal to think yeah. about that, right? Yeah. Utah Jazz. Now, I think that he's kind of found new life with the Utah Jazz. He bounced around a lot. He was in Boston, Miami. Well, he was drafted by Dallas, traded to Boston right away. Had, had a, and remember that one game when he became a legend in yeah. Boston? They went to I think Miami. They beat, I think they beat Washington in the play, game seven or something. He, he really went game nuts. seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, Boston, Miami. And he went to the final. In yeah. with Miami, yeah, and and got a big payday there too. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Detroit, Houston, or Houston, but that, Detroit, that, Houston, Detroit, and then Utah. And that's where things got a little bit muddy for him. Like yeah. he bounced around. He's yeah. a journeyman now. He didn't really fit in there. He had some injuries and mm -hmm. bounced around. He's landed in Utah. Yeah, and um, just talking to him, it feels like he's happy. He got married last uh, summer. He's got a beautiful wife, Jackie. He's got a new little dog. Nice dog. Yeah. Also on the court, the Jazz are. I think they're tenth, so they're in that play-in yeah. tournament spot. Right. Yeah. He's averaging 12.2 points per game. That's about two points more than he normally averages. Shooting well, 50.3 field goal percentage, 83.1% from the line, which is crazy. Rebounding well, injured right now a little bit, but starting when he's healthy, 28.2 minutes per game. His career averages 22.4. Um, question for you about interview settings in general, ideally. I mean, for me, it's almost always in, you want to be in person with somebody. If you can get a one-on-one, -on -one, yep. but what are your thoughts on what's the ideal kind of interview setting? It, well, in their home. In their home, in their element, preferably maybe with some family around. Your mic yep. fell off. Oh. Technical assistance, please. <laughs> Bennett. Well, this thing broke off. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Just wanted more camera time, eh, Mike? That's right, yeah. Continue on with that thought. You're talking about oh, being prefer in the homes. Yeah, preferably in the homes. I think anyone would say it's it's less sterile environment, um, and 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 it's it's and you get you get a sense of who they are. You can look and see what books are on the shelves. You can see how they interact with their with their with their dog in this case, with their uh, partner. And um, I think they're more comfortable too because they're in a setting that they're familiar with, and yeah. you might get better answers. They come into like your office or you go to a, a neutral site. I think they're more they're less. They're more at guard. Yeah. That's what I, my experience and over the years. You can get sights and maybe you see a picture on the yeah. wall, you smell something, yep. sights and sounds type of thing. Yep. Um, the reason I bring it up is Kelly, the scrum setting like over the years is just not good for him. No. He's, he doesn't seem comfortable. He doesn't, he doesn't really like you know, a bunch of media surrounding him asking him questions. Or doesn't have time to think of his answers as well, right? A lot of people don't. And I've noticed that I think Zoom is kind of changing the game a little bit. I mean, I'd rather be in person, but... Kelly, this interview here, I'm not saying it was an amazing grade A interview, but he's way more relaxed than I'd ever seen him. And it's at home. It right? He's at, a, yeah. at home in Utah on his couch just sitting there with his dog. Yeah. Um, and he was just way more comfortable in that, that setting. So we can have a look at that right now. And it took a while to get this. Like People will give me a hard time, actually, in our paper, a hard time. Like, why don't you have more Kelly Olenek coverage? It takes a while. Yeah. You it should explain I, how, 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 how I've been trying to get a hold of him since September 27th, going yeah. back and forth with his people. This is not on Kelly. I don't even think he really no, knew no. I was trying to get a hold but of him. But this is the reality of trying to get a hold of a, of, of a professional athlete or a, or, yeah. a, or a celebrity of some type. And I'm not the type to go online and, and make a stink on Twitter and be like, can't get a hold of Kelly Olenek. I don't want to do that. People yeah. have done that in Camelot's media in the past. 
Mm -hmm. Yet I still get harassed by certain this high lobber guy on Twitter keeps on coming after yeah. me. He doesn't understand what's going on. Well, they don't the half the people don't understand how it works. Yeah, and eventually I caved and I went to his dad, who Ken Olinick is a Kamloops kind of legend for his yep. work at TRU, and I, I feel bad going to a guy's dad and be like, hey, like I'm trying to get a hold of you. And mm -hmm. Ken eventually gets the ball rolling. We get the interview with Kelly. Um, and also, when, when you have these young, like, athletes come up through the amateur ranks, once they go on to professional ranks these days, people can follow them on their phone. Like, mm -hmm. and we're, a, we're a, a weekly newspaper where I can't have the, the, the last night's Kelly Olenek stats in the paper. No. You know, and if you're, if you're looking for Kelly Olenek coverage, you go to your phone, you go to the online, online. There's a billion places to find out how Kelly did last night against the Utah Jazz, but there's only one or two places where you can get a really intimate local interview, and that is with the local media yeah. such as ourselves. And that's why we go hyper-locals, because people say, how come you don't have the Canucks story in the game? Because you can find a billion places, but you can't find the in-depth stuff about the Blazers trade, for example, in but a very, very few places. That's what we're trying yeah. to focus on, right? And we yeah. do every once in a while like to catch up to him, yep. uh, catch up with him like we did here, talk about his dog, his wife, his money, his journeyman career, his jersey retirement at Gonzaga, the Olenek Clinic in Kamloops. Yep. Will it come back? We'll find out right now. Let's start with some uh, Christmas holiday talk. I saw your Instagram. looked like you were in a wintry location with a dog <laughs> with some fur coats. Just give us the rundown. What were you up to over the holiday? Yeah, I mean... Um... My parents got to come out. It was uh, kind of middle of December. We had a kind of a different holiday schedule this year. We had to fly to um, San Antonio on Christmas Day at like 2 p.m. So um, my family didn't end up coming actually for Christmas, but my parents came like a week before, and uh, we got a little time with them. We went up to the ski mountains, you know, did some holiday stuff. And then for, for us, we played on the 22nd. Then we had practice the 23rd, 24th, and then uh, the 25th. I just spent with me, my wife, and our puppy. And then uh, I was off to San Antonio on the 26th. Yeah, tell us about the puppy and then those coats. I have to ask you about the coats that I saw you guys all wearing in the Instagram photo. <laughs> no, the, the puppy's good. She's actually, I don't know if I can, can you flip your camera in this? I don't even know. Uh, she's sitting right here, if you can see her. Oh, <laughs> what's her name? <laughs> Millie Rue is her name, but she's just over two now, and she's she's a little princess. Yes, she certainly she, is. Yeah, she's spoiled, but she she makes the world a better place. Everyone loves her. And what about the coats? Did you just buy those for your close family, or how did those show up? It was like a a sleigh ride you go in a, like a sleigh up the mountain to this like viking yurt so this like big like yurt and you have this uh, like huge viking dinner and, and then you go down the sleigh ride whatever so people we were going with had gotten everybody a, a fur coat for like the viking yurt dinner so it was like so we were kind of like all had fur coats and like hats and it was and it was the snow was coming down it was pretty cool one more kind of personal question, and we'll talk basketball. I haven't really talked to you since you've been married. So how does the life of an NBA star change from being a single guy to being a married man? For me, not not a ton has changed, really. Um, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, you're married. It's been good. I mean, it's great. I have a, you know, a beautiful, loving wife who's, you know, amazing, does a lot of things, makes my life way easier. You know, which is which is really, <laughs> really, really awesome. Um, uh, but for for us, it hasn't changed a ton. Um, you know, she works as an accountant. is based in Austin. But you know, when we're home, playing at home, she's usually in Utah. And then when we go on the road, say we go on like a seven eight day road trip, she'll usually go back to Austin. 
um, checking at work with friends, whatever. So it works out great for us. And then, you know, obviously she looks after the dog, you know, when we're on the road and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. You've obviously learned about, I mean, how to live life in the NBA. And I want to ask you about that, just bouncing around now. I think you've been five teams now. So let's start with kind of the positives about that. I mean, what are some of the neat things about having been able to play for different organizations? Yeah, I mean, like, it's crazy because when you get in the NBA and I was playing for Boston, you know, after the first two, three years, I mean, you, you think you're going to play there the rest of your life. You know, you think uh, it's crazy. And then all of a sudden you move to Miami and you're there for three and a half years. And I thought I was going to be in Miami for the rest of my career. And then I got traded to Houston and then I signed in Detroit and I got traded here. And then you really see like how the the business side and the NBA really works. And but I think it's it's a blessing um, personally. I mean, you get to you know experience not only five different organizations, but you know five different cities, five different you know parts of the the country. You know the different cultures that are associated in those cities and you know how they operate. Um, you know, just get to explore and broaden your horizons, you know, for me and my wife and, you know, my family and friends who get to come visit in these different places and, you know, try new restaurants in different places and do different things. I mean, in Miami, you know, people who came got to go to the beach or do this. And, you know, in Boston, people got, you know, these the historical, you know, tours and, you know, um, history that Boston beholds. And, you know, out here, people who come, you know, can go skiing and snowshoeing and all that kind of different stuff. So, you know, you get to experience, obviously, five different organizations. Um, and you see what teams, what certain organizations do well, you know, what you think they could maybe do better, or what one th- place did, you know, really, really well, and another place, you know, did really, really well. And you kind of take those and, um, you know, you can kind of, you know, pass it on and, and, you know, help, you know, different people and organizations and, you know, know how things are, you know, when they run well and, you know, things that can be improved. Um, but that's, it's kind of cool to do that. And then, you know, on top of everything, you know, I had, you know, five different sets of teammates and you know you're just making connections and friends and network. And um, it's something that, you know, I've really enjoyed. And, you know, as you go throughout the, the NBA, you know, playing 10 years now, you know, you've met a lot of people, played with a lot of different people, and you keep those connections and, um, you know, those grow into different things down the road, you know, whether it's, you know, friends, family, business, um, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, that's something that um, you don't take for granted either. Yeah, I guess, what about the challenges from just a consistency side on the court? I mean, having to be uprooted, especially in the last few years here with, I guess, Miami, Houston, Detroit, and now, and now Utah. Yeah, that, I mean, that one's a little different. I mean, I've played for, what, four different teams in a year and a half, I guess, or two years now, almost now. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a little tougher um, to get in that groove and that chemistry and that consistency. Um, and that's why you see, like, you know, teams who, you know, are together for, for a while, you know, they're kind of like a, a well-oiled machine. Like, they know, you know, they have that chemistry on the court, off the court. Um, you know, when you kind of throw some stuff together, um, you know, it takes time to build and to, to, you know, learn each other's roles and spots and, you know, how you can complement each other. So it's a little bit different. And, you know, for me, I feel like, you know, obviously Houston, you know, getting there and getting the opportunity was really, really good for me. Um, then Detroit signed me and um, I unfortunately got hurt eight games in and then kind of, you know, never really got in a groove or rhythm there. Um, you know, they wanted to play some young guys during the end of the season to kind of see what they had because we were already kind of out of it. 
And so I never feel like I got the opportunity to, um, you know, kind of see Detroit out and, and that, that opportunity, but, you know, they traded me to Utah and, you know, I walked into a great opportunity here and, you know, we have a great group of guys who like each other, like playing together, you know, great coach, great front office, great organization. And, you know, I've been, you know, really happy um, to, to have moved. Uh, I've been moved, I guess here. I mean, at the time you're like, you don't know what to think, right? Yeah. Because it's, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but you also, you know, it's unfamiliar territory. So you don't really know what to think and, you know, getting here and, you know, getting the opportunities and, you know, kind of parlaying it into what it is now. Um, you know, hopefully I can, you know, keep going and we can keep going as a team and, you know, do something special. Back to Kelly after this message from Betstamp. 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 That's right. What is it? It's the Travago of, uh, of betting. So if you go, if you want to get a hotel room and you don't want to go to 500 sites to find the best uh, hotel room, you go to Travago or one of those sites, hotels.com, and they kind of do all the work for you and get you the best rate. Betstamp does the same thing for betting lines. If you want to bet, for example, on, uh, on, uh, on a hockey game tonight, and you want good odds, you go to Betstamp and it'll show you which All the different books, sports books, who's got the who's best, got the best odds. odds. Two to one, 1.8 1. to one, 2.1 to one. And you can pick the best odds for your for your bet. I did it last night, I, I did a parlay and I bet against the Canucks, great. I bet Arizona, <laughs> they screwed me. But I used Betstamp and I got a good I got a good, uh, good odds on it. They call that line shopping the best place to do it. It's an app you have to download called Betstamp. Use the promo code Kamloops last week gonzaga uh again back to instagram but i saw some amazing photos there when your number went up there especially the ones with your family your parents who i know a little bit uh just seeing their faces and kind of emotional at, at seeing your number go up i mean i guess especially with having them there you know a special night for you know me and my family everybody involved but it was it was almost surreal because you know when you when you start playing a sport when you're a kid, you know, basketball, hockey, soccer, football, you know, whatever it is, you know, you, you don't really dream of having your number retired. That's like not something that, you know, you dream of, you know, playing in, you know, college or hitting a game winning shot or making it to the pros or playing in the NBA or the NHL, uh, you know, maybe being an all-star or something like that, but you never really are like, Man, I want to get my jersey, you know, retire. That's not really a, a thing that you dream of or think of, you know, but it's, and it's not really part of your process. You know, it's kind of, a, you know, a product of, of your process. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, comes with the territory and, and shows the, the commitment and dedication and sacrifice um, that you've put in. And then it shows, you know, the level of respect and um, the impact that you've had. Um, you know, on either a franchise, an organization, or, you know, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, for me, you know, it was pretty special to to see that impact recognized and, you know, something that was obviously a lasting legacy and, and I'll remember forever and have to show, you know, whatever kids, family, friends, you know, anybody else down the line. So it's it's pretty cool. I only got two questions left. One of them is about money because you probably don't also expect by the end of this contract, you're going to be somewhere like pushing ninety million dollars, hundred million dollars career earnings. I don't know how much tax comes off or anything, but it's a lot of money. And I'm just wondering, do you have plans for after basketball? I know you're still playing in the middle of your career, but to become some kind of a business mogul, or 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 do you have plans with this kind of wealth that you've um, garnered to 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 use it? Um, you know, not 
no anything obviously set in stone or um no it's not really uh you know a path that i've i've you know decided to go down yet um you know obviously there's you know hopefully going to be a lot of different opportunities uh you know that come with the um the territories and you know obviously you know having made some money you know you you have the opportunities to do kind of whatever you may you may wish but you know after basketball i mean there's obviously the option to to coach or do something in a in a front office or something like that um which i'm not obviously ruling out but you know for me i think you know something that i enjoy is you know businesses and you know running businesses and you know trying to take things to another level and and you know make things um grow and so i'm not sure what it is going to be yet um no but hopefully um i'll do something to, that'll keep me busy and you know obviously stimulated uh, mentally physically and um you know just see where that takes me um you know obviously keeping a lot of doors open um you know it's part of the you know the blessing of having you know been on five different teams and networked and you know know a lot of different coaches a lot of different players a lot of different people you know prominent people in different you know cities and states and um companies um because you never know where those those opportunities are going to fall or lie um and you know when you after basketball you know kind of leave those doors open and you know see which one you think is the best one to walk through yeah well one follow-up on that do you have to be careful i mean there's no secret that you that you have money and um you seem like you have a pretty good head on your shoulders and a good circle of people around you but do you have to be careful a little bit with people's intentions when they approach you with things um yeah i would think you know sometimes you do um i don't think anybody's intentions are are definitely are like bad or cruel or wrong you know because usually when people approach you with something it's something that they think is going to work right yeah. Um, it, whether it's a idea or a company or they want an investment or, um, I mean, so, sometimes I guess people, I mean, obviously just ask for money that you need help. And, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, you have the ability to help them. You know, other times, you know, you want them to kind of collaborate to where that if you're helping them, they're also helping themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because you don't want to put someone in a bigger hole. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I think, like, like I said before, I think, if, you know, people always, you know, have good intentions because they want the best best for themselves. So if they're coming with an idea or a business or a, something, they think it's going to work. And, you know, you have to kind of discern whether you think it's going to work because <laughs> yeah. you need to buy in as well. But, you know, people always think what, what, what they're going to do is going to work. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, obviously sifting through that and um, it has to be something you believe in as well. And if it is, then you can go for it. And if not, then you kind of pass respectfully and, you know, wish them the best and still support them in whatever they do um, just from, you know, not the business side. Well, the last one for me is just, I think that the Olenic clinic has been dormant. I mean, I think the pandemic kind of wiped it out a couple years. Um, is there still plans to keep that thing going or is that a thing of the past at this point? Yeah, I mean, the, obviously the pandemic was, what, 2020? So that summer was gone. 2021, it was still, pandemic still was still pretty strong. Yeah, like the borders were still shut and stuff. And then this last year, what, 2022, um, it, it was still wasn't super. Um, it was still, kind of, yeah. It was yeah, still it wasn't super accepted. And, and then uh, I was getting married. <laughs> yeah. The national team stuff. So we had a bunch of stuff going on. So we didn't really have the time to 
to do it. Um, you know, I'd like to do it again. Um, you know, if it, if it permits and allows, um, we'll have to see. I ho hopefully we can, um, you know, I, I love doing it. It was one of my favorite weeks of the year, you know, getting everybody up there, you know, friends from, you know, high school, college, different, different teams in the NBA, um, all over, um, you know, back up to Kamloops to, you know, see, you know, where I'm from and then just, you know, put on a great week for these kids and then, you know, enjoy some time together for ourselves. It's, it's pretty special. And it was, I think probably the best week, week of the year for, you know, our family because we had everybody in the same place, family, friends, um, and, you know, all working together to do something that we love to do. Um, and, you know, just give back and, you know, enjoy it. Um, so if, it, if the opportunity comes, I think, I think we'll definitely, you know, try and do one more, at least one more. Um, but that's all, you know, you got to see if, if it, if it's permittable. Um, yeah. but, but we're looking forward to it and, you know, hopefully we can, you know, get something done. Well, well, congrats on all the good things, the family, the little dog, the, the new fit. <laughs> And uh, I thanks to, for the time as well. Thanks always, man. Always appreciate you guys. Appreciate Kamloops. And uh, no, thanks. After this next contract, almost 100 million US dollars in, earn, in career earnings. So he's going like, I don't know exactly what that. You should invest in a guitar company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you do if you had that much money? $100 million. If I had, you know, it's funny how it changes over time. It used to be a million dollars. If I had a hundred million dollars. Yeah, a uh, hundred million dollars. Uh, I love what I do. I love our audiovisual side of our company. I love my guitar manufacturing. And I think I would uh, invest in that, invest in Kamloops and, and uh, continue doing what I'm doing. And, yeah. And uh, live here in Kamloops. You could buy whatever building you wanted. I would have a really nice building. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Would you yeah. keep working? <clears throat> no. You'd no, be done. No. If I won $2 million, I'd be done. Travel? <clears throat> Hell, if I win the 50-50 in the Y, I'm done. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably keep working a bit, but um, I, I, would, I would really like to. I, I, it, would, it, would, it would solve a lot of stressors. Yes, yeah, travel. Set up um, your family. Oh, yeah, buy my kids a house each or put down payment. You do all sorts of stuff, right? But uh, remember, that's his career earning, so that's like he's spent a lot of that, and it's, he has to live off it. I was thinking, he's making, what is he making per year now? Like ten or twelve, so that's like a that's a million bucks a point per game. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. You you would probably buy like a, a your own lettuce patch and oh, yeah. bring the prices yeah. down. I would, and they have romaine lettuce for two ninety nine a stock. You are obsessed with lettuce. Here's it's the thing. Always with lettuce. Here's the thing. I just noticed it because tall people and lettuce. Yeah, tall. Well, yeah. And I'm gonna bring down these prices. You know, my buddy Mike Durzak, Durzak. Yeah. He was talking about some kind of uh, venture like that as well. So you guys could partner. Oh, we should partner. It's Ridiculous! What you know, the guitars are. are an agricultural product. Yes, it's well, that's all the, the wood, like forestry, yes. <laughs> spruce, and uh, Sitka, and all that stuff, right? Sitka spruce, yeah. Singleman spruce from Revelstoke area, there cedar from Shuswap, yep. uh, maple from Chilliwack. I yep. call it Chilliwack. Chilliwack. Maple. Yeah. Chilliwackian. Chilliwackian maple. Chilliwackian. We've got the best woods in the world, really. Yep. Any uh, from Abbotsford? Uh, yeah, Abbotsford. That whole area. There's there's Sitka spruce and, and uh, black walnut. That's a good wood, actually. Black walnut's great wood. You probably used to chop trees down out there in Abbotsford. Take them down. No. Vandalize trees. <laughs> no. Trees are our friends. You would bring pipes in and pipes would start uprooting the trees. <laughs> our trees are our friends. I love trees. I hate to see them go down. Except unless you're making a guitar, of course. It's probably invasive weed you're bringing into town. Here. It could be, yeah. Absolutely. But I love them. <laughs> Musician. Okay, let's move on. Above the folds right now.
the topic is missing people. We have Shannon White, we have uh, Ben Tyner, who is a cowboy from uh, Merritt, mm -hmm. and we have Jacob Gibbon, a young guy in Kamloops who went missing last week, I think. December 28, 2022. Right, Ben Tyner went missing a few years ago down in the Nicola Valley. He was January 2019. And Shannon, November 3rd, 2021, I believe. She was last seen November 1st, 2021. Right. And I also have Ryan Stuka. He's not, his photo's not and up Ryan here. And Ryan Stuka went missing in, what, 18? February 17th, 2018, nearly five years ago now. <clears throat> so there's a lot of people who went missing under uh, mysterious circumstances that have not yet been found and um, and it's it's tragic and in some of the cases we we, we kind of know sort of what might have happened to Shannon uh, and we uh, we know that uh, Ben foul Tyner play. the police have said foul play criminal involvement don't know why but it's not like a random thing with Shannon as well police have said they suspect foul play they suspect foul play and we kind of know who they're focusing on but we can't really report on yeah. that too now so it's not like some it's probably not like a random thing it's yeah. it's a targeted thing it's it's a sad thing and then Jacob Gibbon we don't know anything about this Michael Potestio spoke to his mom and his uh, sister-in-law for a story at camelosofweek.com and and, and in, in today's newspaper um, what and is the latest on that? the latest is it's a it's a mystery I mean as of today what's today uh, January 11th 11th so as of the 11th as of the 10th yesterday um, it's a mystery. He uh, he go, he went to the to the he, to the hockey game, Blazers game uh, against the Rockets last Wednesday, and um, on the fourth, and uh, w with other family members, everything was great. Him and his mom drive back home, lives live, live off Schubert Drive. They stop at the Tim Hortons, they get a coffee. He was laughing. They were talking. They go home. Last day, she was going to bed. She says, "Go to sleep now." And he was on his bed, on top of his bed, laying laying back with his coffee, and. He said, okay, see you, see you later, Mom. Next morning, he's gone. His car's gone. No one knows where he is. The last known cell phone ping was the next morning at 11 a.m., um, and it pinged off a tower near the Northbridge Hotel, which could mean he was three blocks away driving or, or whoever had the phone was. It doesn't mean he's in that area, but that's the nearest tower that pinged his last location for his phone. No one knows what's happening. Michael's interviewed the family. There's no known depression, no known mental health issues, no known drug addiction issues, no known, um, uh, you know, cavorting with nefarious characters. It's it's out of character. He's 22 years old. He lives, works at the veneer plant in Dallas. It's one of those bizarre things he we don't would, know. He would have had to get up and leave at well, some he, point he, for, apparently, for, for some reason. It's believed he left for whatever reason. Who knows what's going to happen with this? Hopefully he's found safe. Yeah. Who knows? But we bring this up because... Uh, in the paper, especially recently in the news, our paper and other news, there's been a rash of missing, 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 missing. And it's, and it's happened for the last few years. It started really in 1718 when the policy of the police, they had to start enforcing the policy of uh, if they get a missing persons report, they really have to get it out there to people. And um, but so I get a call from a, from a, two calls in the last two weeks from people who said, you know, all these missing people, because there's other missing, a bunch of missing person cases in the paper, but the vast majority, they're found safe. And then we do an update online or in the paper saying this person has been found safe. And, and people think there's a serial killer out there. They think there's a, a, a Robert Pickton, a Clifford Olson. And, and, and the reality is the vast majority of the missing people you see in the paper are, are found safe. Yeah. They, they had to get away for whatever reason. And that's good. They're found safe. Some who aren't found safe, and the police have started saying this. They they were found. She was found. She's safe. He was found. He's safe. And then we start, started asking, well, how is this person? A couple of years ago, I said, you found this person. Are they okay? And the and the police officer said, well, off the record, no. They were found deceased. But we don't want to say anything about that. Now they're saying that because people should know. 
you don't have to go into details, but when they say there's no criminality involved in their death, like a, a lady a couple months ago, she went missing in Merritt, they found her vehicle, don't know where she went, she was going to a yoga retreat, people started thinking the worst. She was found a few days later, um, and only a few things could explain it. She was abducted, she had an accident, fell on a cliff, she attacked by a bear, whatever. All they said was she was found deceased, no criminal involvement um, believed. That's usually that a way of a suicide. That's usually means it was a suicide. It was they took their own life for whatever reason. You don't delve any further, and it's you don't. Done. You don't. Yeah, but you, don't you should. We that. should. If, if if you're out there saying this person, please, we're looking for this person, and they're found, we do an update. If they're found and the news is terrible, we do a brief update to let people know this is what happened. Um, on that note, there is there's the, the vast majority. The vast majority of the missing person files also you'll see in the paper are youth. And, and, and they're youth who are in care, foster care, government care. Yeah. And the difference between BC and Alberta is there's no restraint law here. So if you have a kid in foster care or in a group home and they want to leave, you can't confine them physically. In Alberta, you can. In BC, you can't. So if they leave and you know they're going down two, two, two streets down to hang out with whoever, you have to file a missing person report with the police. The police then have to release it. But they can't get into details because of privacy issues. You can't say the kid's a foster kid. You can't say the kid's in a group home. But they know where this kid is. You know, they know exactly where the kid is. They can't get him back there. But the, but the process has to be done. So you end up having all these missing persons cases in the paper when we know, but we can't say, and the police know, they know where they are. It strikes up fear in the general public. It, it does, and that's why, for context, I, I, in a couple of stories I'll say, you know, uh, Joe Blow's been missing, he's 17, this is the fifth missing person report in two years, and I got criticized for that, but I do that because you want to let people know this is not an abduction. This is not a case of someone uh, out of character. If it's out of character, they'll say it, like in this case with Jacob. The police will say it's out of character for this person to be missing like this and the family and police are concerned. That is just a way of saying this is unusual. If they don't say that and it's a kid and you look at our back pages, you look in the online, you see uh, a, a teenager or a young person who's been missing in five or six stories in two years. Obviously the person has issues, it's troubling and you want to make sure they're safe. But the point is, it's not the same as one of. It's not the same as yeah. as a person out of the blue missing, and no one knows why. Yeah. They have to go through the process. And and in, in 2017, Brad Mueller, the then chief of police in Kamloops, the superintendent, he went to council, and said the the, the 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 overwhelming rash of these missing reports of youth in care is is creating problems for the police. They're they're hamstrung. They're getting overwhelmed with these things. And he wanted to sort of better streamline all that because the police had to go and look for the kids. They know where they are. Uh, but they have no power to bring them back. And it becomes a missing persons case that's really not a missing persons case. And if people have information, they can just contact RCMP. 250-828-3000. Call that number if you have any information on any of this uh, and other stuff. Yeah, it's, it's sad. I mean, uh, this is bizarre, but um, y you never know what, what, what happens. All right, let's wrap the show. Got one more slide, I think. I think we're just going to talk about the Blazers trade a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, Monumental, mega deal, blockbuster, all-time biggest trade in Blazers history. Mike thinks uh, somehow soccer players were involved, but, but uh, it was a hockey trade. Um, nine draft picks, including four first-rounders, yep. go to uh, Everett. The Blazers get um, Zellweger, Zellweger and, and Hofer, the premier power forward and arguably the best defenseman um, in the league, maybe even in the country well, uh, at his age. He's not minus five. I don't know about that, but anyway. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I actually got some stats here. I was looking it over on my time off because I was, I was thinking, wow, they gave up way too much. And um, I still think it's way too much for what may not even be a championship run because the other teams loaded up too. But um, on, the, on the plus side, um, with this trade, 
the Blazers on their roster right now have three first-round picks, three second-round picks, including Zellweger, uh, four third-round picks, and then uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, tenth. And one of the great tenth ones was uh, Kuffler. Kiefler, yeah. Uh, Kiefler. And Fraser and, Minton is uh, a fourth-round pick. Fourth pick, too. And there's three of those in there. So those are the diamonds in the roughs that I think if you take, if you take all the picks they gave up, and, and they'll get some back with trades, right? Yep. They'll get, um, but you see that there's, there's, a, there's one fourth they've lost and one third. A lot of firsts, and it's a lot to give up. But I think if you look at their draft history here, um, they have a knack, I think, for finding players beyond the second and third rounds. And if they can keep doing that, the, um, also, I think you have to say they gave up an extra first-round pick in Hamill, who was a first-round pick in uh, t three years ago. Yeah, that is, to me, the Hamill part of it is extremely interesting because mm -hmm. he essentially could have held that deal hostage. Yeah, in, in your column you were saying that that uh, it was up to him. He had to sign off on it, um, and they had, that was on Saturday. So he took 24 hours. The Blazers talked to him and explained the opportunity that he's going to get in Everett and more, what's happening. Way more ice time, right? Yeah. And Everett talk to him and talk to his camp. I mean, tough to, to say, okay, I'm going to leave a Memorial Cup team, mm -hmm. a host, host Memorial Cup team, like a, and, and go somewhere where, you know, that they're, they're not favored to be anywhere, you know, near winning the, the, the no. Western Hockey League championship this year. No. But down the road, Zellweger leaves and he's got all these monster minutes and they're, they're I mean, it will be a good situation for him in Everett. For him, it'll be great in Everett. And maybe in, maybe in two or yeah. three years, they're going to be up there with all those picks, but it, it might take longer than that. Um, but Zellweger and Hofer, they're, essentially going to only be here until the end of the season, yes. right? So they're basically rental players. Essentially, yeah. It's a lot the, to play for, for having none of those guys the year after, right? Yes. Um, the Blazers will say, though, that they didn't. They don't think they sold Lafarma because they still have guys that are coming back next year. Yeah. Guys like Fraser Minton, Dylan Ertz, Connor Levis. Mm -hmm. I got some heat. I mean, you're referring to these young men as assets, but there's a human side to it, mm -hmm. okay? Somebody like Drew Englott, who was ripped from his billet family, he says that oh, yeah. they were second parents to him, second mom, second dad, they, they taught him things. So I acknowledge that. Yep. When you're talking about them as being assets, you're talking about from the business side of things. Yeah. You acknowledge that, and, and that's, that's in, in the context of trades, mm -hmm. these draft picks and players are assets to your club well, that yeah, can be yeah. used. It's not, it's not a negative connotation, it's just it's, they're players, they're, they're yeah. teenagers, but they're also assets in the whole, whole, whole scheme of things. There's nothing wrong with saying assets. It's, and I would argue that nothing wrong at all. They, the Western Hockey League, developmental league, preparing players for the next level, when they get to the NHL, that's the same terminology that's going to be used. Yep. They have to get, understand it's a hockey business. And they, these kids, I've never once heard from a player offended about being called an asset, but there are people who out there who think it's an offensive term. I think it's actually term. the opposite. I think it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complimentary term because you're an asset to this team. You're an asset here yeah. and you're an asset coming there. And there are a lot of things like it. hockey culture things that was pointed out to me that well, it's a hockey culture thing, and these, these young men are lured into playing by, by rich businessmen on the, the promise of going to play professional hockey, and the, the, you know, it's just a big scam, and <laughs> most of them will not make the NHL. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they know that going in, though. A lot of them will, hey, but a lot of them will, will play pro hockey. Most of them won't make the NHL. All of them get a, a year of tuition for every year they, they that's play. Right. That's huge. They're treated, 95% of them are treated extremely well by their hockey clubs. Mm -hmm. They're chasing a dream. They're making lifelong friends. They're and, getting free education. And the co amazing coaching and yeah. trainers like Toledo who are, go to their weddings and stuff. So I understand there's a lot wrong with hockey culture, but to lump it all in and saying these kids are being 
mistreated all the time. I, I don't. I mean, we, we've gone off topic with the trade. No, um, but but you're right, and that's uh, that comes down. That also goes back to that long running, but finally over um, lawsuit to um, to uh, member to um, the CHL was being sued. Portland. Or, or what, no, what are you talking the about? CHL is being sued from. Oh yeah, for are they are they players? Are they professional? Are they are they? That's being, a whole other ball. And that could that, they, that could have, that could have bankrupted the league. But the and the thing on that one last note is the WHL has done some uh, proactive work. For example, when you mentioned that uh, Hamill had to approve the trade, they can't trade those kids anymore. And John Keane had posted something on Twitter about. Um, about uh, you know we have to deal with it. all these first round picks might upset people but they have to do that because they can't send the league made rules to change rules so that they don't want to uproot high school age players That's so right. 15s and 16s can't be traded 17s have to agree right I am I am interested to know like there is obviously there would have been pressure I, I'm imagining on Caden Hamill to waive. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can you can be you, I'd be interested to look into that. I mean, like, <laughs> what happens if he if he said no and the whole deal? Like, just putting that aside, what happens if he did say no and this deal fell through, mm-hmm. and then the Blazers didn't get Zach Ostapchuk? Well, like, where would they be? Who 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 would they be able to get? I mean, I'm sure they had backup mm-hmm. plans, but that's interesting. Like, imagine yeah. if that didn't happen and they didn't. No, make no, that trade. yeah, and who knows what 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 the conversations were? But um, I think that rule um, shows that there is some proactivity yes. with the league in saying that. Well, well it's, it's a good thing. That these are not just cattle that are being Yes, they're not just assets. Sold. Assets. People. <laughs> but it's good. And to, to the hockey side of things, um, they put themselves in a chance where they have a team that can win. Yep. So, and they knew they were going to sell all their draft picks. They had prepared. They didn't. Well, that's if you why they critique them, you them. Can, Well, maybe they should have had more depth so they didn't have to use more draft picks and they could have traded a few more younger players. But... That's not what they had. They had draft picks that they had stockpiled to use for this very scenario. Yep. The prices were high. That's the way it was. They can't not act. So they did what they had to do to bring in players that can help them win. Seattle's going to be Seattle's the favorites. Really good. Really good. They yeah. have to be the favorites. They but are. now yeah. it's about which team can gel the quickest. Sean Clouston, which coaching staff can get the team together. And in my mind now, there's there's a the Blazers are in with a shot, and that's what they. They wanted. Well, yeah. I was just thinking though that that trade. I don't know if it's a it's the it's the largest in league history, but it has to be up there. I think it was. Can the, you imagine what it would have been if Bedard was coming over here? Well, that I think yeah. That they was, probably would have to get Sandman Center to read <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible, man. Incredible. Tom. But, yeah, Tom would have to throw in a few shark clubs. That, yeah, that is that is quite the deal. Um, we'll see how it pans out. I think the, the the concern I have, if as a fan or any fan, it's not with not necessarily with this deal because you got to you got to try to win the cup, especially when you're hosting it. Uh, it's it's how you deal with it after the fact. You don't want to become a team that's going to be at the bottom of the standings for three or four no. years. I don't think, they, they know there's going to be some tougher times, yeah. but they think that through their scouting staff, yeah. being smart, recouping picks, they can bounce back. And if you win it all, it, if you got that banner hanging up you, there, you, a league title. You might attract some more. Well, yeah, then yeah. It's, it's worth it regardless. You go and get some Mintons and, uh, and uh, Seminoff in the fifth. I mean, there, there's a lot of deeper picks that have panned out. If they get knocked out in the first round and lose in the Memorial Cup, then... Well, if they don't make it to the league final, you know. <laughs> you, you. That's right. Mike, you love this conversation. Yeah, you, you know what I figured out uh, while you guys were talking about it is that uh, Gord's does have pillows. Gord's has pillows. <laughs> well, there you go. Pillows. Breaking news. <laughs> that whole time you were not listening is Googling Gord's pillows. Breaking news. That's good. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's exciting times down at Sandman Center. And um, what day is it today? 
11th. And the Blazers play tonight. They do. No Hofer tonight but? because he's suspended. Zellweger's in the lineup. So that's going to be a big, big deal. That's going to be a big And crowd. we haven't seen their full team yet. Jakob Demick, people yeah. forget he hasn't even played yet. Yeah. He's coming back at the end of the month. He's a top six forward. He's from Edmonton, right? He's the... Uh, 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 yes, he came over from Edmonton. He was injured. Hurt. Injured, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he's he's on the on the path to, to yeah. health. So he'll be he'll be ready for the playoff run, or for the um, for the end, end of the run. Can Dylan Ernst be the guy? He's shown every sign that he can be. Can the team gel and get together? Who, which team can get all these new pieces and get them working as a team together now? That's the key. Let's wrap the show. For Gord Stevens, Christopher Folds, Bennett, Bennett, Magic Mike, and Bill, we'll see you last week.